Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. Eager to talk to you about the Tennessee Titans, part of the 440 Sports Network, brought to you by Zen Sports and Jaspers. Want to talk about what cool plays mean in the Titans offense. Uh, Will Levis's growing leadership, macaroni and cheese, and where the offense for the Titans is taking place right now. Without further ado, let's get going. Mike Vrabel's been talking a lot about cool plays. If you search for the word cool in the transcripts of his recent uh, press conferences, it pops up a lot, a lot, a lot. Cool. Um, and so, I kind of wanted to get into what cool means. He's talking about the cool plays that they pulled off or <clears throat> cool plays that they failed to pull off because something's gone wrong. Um, Monday, he said, we got the turnover and some really good opportunities and cool things in there. We're just trying to put it together for 60 minutes. Friday before the Carolina win, I think it's all a product of everything in the entire offense and looking and realizing that it's not all broken. There's some really cool plays in there. They're really positive plays in there. So I'm, I'm curious. Like He's been saying cool a lot. What qualifies a play for the official cool distinction? So I asked him. I, mean, I guess I just felt like plays that haven't been banked reps from the offseason that you put in. It's part of the base, you know, your base package from the spring throughout training camp that you're coming in here every day, working against, uh, working towards, um, you, you know, and you work on those and sometimes they sit there for a week or so and sometimes you use them, sometimes you don't. And again, there's a good balance on those because sometimes it's, you know, an X play or sometimes it's second and 18 or you turn it over. So typically something you're drawing up on the Tuesday collection? Uh, we've got a catalog. I mean, we've got a catalog that we try to pull from, or sometimes they come up on a Tuesday. Or Again, you can't have a whole entire playbook of them, but just things that we're trying to use that, that can help us. So I'd agree that's cool. Newer stuff. Uh, you know, that they're cataloging as the season goes on. Maybe that's targeted to a specific opponent. Um, so I do think that's cool. A newer play formulated recently for a specific opponent has a different sort of meaning or import than, you know, something that you've been working on, that, that you worked on through the spring and the summer in camp that comes back around. So I asked Levis about this too, you know, what's it like when one of these plays works as opposed to, to uh, something that's been around for quite a long time. Yeah, that's special because, I mean, when you have a game plan specific play that maybe is not as sound as a concept as it might look on paper, but just because of the response that you might be expecting to get and, and they nail it. I mean, I'm, I, I feel awesome. I don't design the plays. I can't imagine what those guys in there, you know, are feeling. So uh, that's great. And, you know, for every one of those, you know, there might be one that doesn't work, but when they do hit, uh, it's it's a great feeling. So if we see extra enthusiasm on a play that works, uh, and we know there aren't many of those for the way the Titans offense is going this year, we might uh, take into account. That might be a little bit of what's going on, and it might uh, give us a hint as to 
when that play came uh, came to be was drawn up. Maybe an indication that uh, that's not a long existing base play. It's something that came to existence more recently. Let's stick with Will Levis here. And you could see even in that clip or here in that clip, the kind of enthusiasm he has when he's talking to the media. Uh, he's getting increasingly comfortable with it. Not that he's ever been uncomfortable with it, but is um, really just a terrific guy. He's uh, enthusiastic, responsive, uh, into into this element of the job which makes him incredibly likable i think for for media and the, the fans that are listening to him interact with the media um i certainly think you know it, he's not played great since that fantastic game against atlanta but he's been pretty good considering the pressure that he's dealt with and stuff and again, there, there's enough there that you could see that he can be good, that he should be good. Um, and so I think there's a, a lot to look forward to with Will Levis, including his leadership. Um, and Arden Key really pushed Levis to take on more of a leadership role last week. He was one of a couple players. He said uh, when we talked to Key after the Carolina game, you know, that Will can take a hit. Will can deliver the ball anywhere on the field. Will's smart. And then he broke them down coming out, going into the Carolina game and definitely got them going. You know, and uh, Levis talked about it after the game. Arden said, you know, I see a lot. He That Levis said, I see a lot of dogs, so go out there and play like a dog. I see a lot of talent in this group, so let's go out there and play. It sounds simple, but most Pre-game messages are simple, and they find guys who are, uh, you know, potentially ready to go, eager, charged up in their pre-game mode, and just strike that chord that uh, guys need to hear or want to hear or eager to hear. If you hit the right chord, it it does a lot to help guys be ready right at kickoff. And um, I think Levis in his first opportunity to do that, did it. Vrabel also praised his leadership there, you know, said you've got to be a good quarterback, but everybody's got to see that that guy is invested. That guy's performing and he cares as much, if not more than everybody else. Levis said <clears throat> he's still figuring it out. And I thought this was another really good uh, piece of his conversation with the press this week. I think I'm still trying to figure out, my leadership style, like I'm, I'm slowly, I guess, kind of feeling out um, my involvement in that area. But I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to be myself and speaking from the heart and speaking in a way that I feel like could uh, bring others up and uh, try not to be corny and uh, just be authentic. And that's all I can be. So uh, just try to give them a little message and um, hopefully it gets through to some guys. Is there a point where you felt comfortable enough to do that? Uh, I think this week, actually, a couple, couple of teammates, like, even helped me, like, push me on, like, hey, like, hey, break us down, like, get us going, like, and, and to hear that from guys and to know that, like, they're they're pushing me to be that in that more type of role, uh, that helped me a lot, but I think it's just a slow process of, you know, figuring out my style of leadership and being authentic and uh, doing whatever I can to get the guys ready to go around. Like, what you think about what you do? Arden, Arden was one of the, those guys in the locker room that day. Um, 
but even throughout the week, like with breaking down stuff and uh, communicating and getting the guys together, Coach Rabel made a big emphasis after, you know, team periods to get the whole offense together and run through the tape and, and evaluate it uh, right there on the field uh, for the first time just to kind of get the corrections uh, and the knee-jerk reactions to the play, and then, you know, we watch it again and we go back. But uh, I think that translated into the game well and that I was able to communicate a little more comfortably with all the different position groups. Uh, so just got to keep working on that. think about any of that stuff ahead of time, like, Sometimes I think I, I it wasn't for the moment that day. Like I think that morning, I, if I knew that if I had the opportunity to come, come and say a message, like I knew what I was going to say. So like, I had the opportunity to. I was looking to um, take that opportunity when it happened, and I'm glad I did. I think that last part's interesting, right? He didn't know he was going to be called on to deliver a message, but he had a message to deliver in case he was called on. You know, these small things, I know they're not a giant deal, but I think they're telling, right? And so at the hotel the night before the game or driving somewhere during the week or on his way to the stadium, he has the presence of mind to to think. like, And it's kind of almost like a backup quarterback role. Like, if I get the opportunity to do this, I know what I'm going to do. So he's the starting quarterback now. He doesn't know if he's going to be called on to talk to the team. But if I'm called on to talk to the team, this is what I'm going to say. I'm ready for the moment. And, again, that seems like a small thing. But in the big picture, there's something significant there. And I think that that is um, somewhat telling, again, and a good good piece of information about the guy um, that – that it's another thing that you put in his column that tells you uh, he's got a lot of the characteristics you want in a quarterback. Now, you can have all of those characteristics and not have the game. We've seen a lot of indications that he has the game as well. Now, he needs some protection. He needs some more weapons. Certainly needs time to throw. Certainly needs to be more accurate. Certainly needs to be more consistent. All of those things. But have we seen enough to suggest that this is the quarterback for this team going forward? I, I certainly feel like I have. And I think the prevailing opinion is that that we have. Um, and then sprinkle all these other things that I'm talking about here into the mix. And you got to be feeling uh, pretty good about it overall. Let's talk about Mike Vrabel, who's been a uh, big subject of conversation in his future. Has a coach with two or three years left on his contract ever been has the future of a coach with two or three years left on his contract. Um, who's had some success um, ever been such a subject of conversation. I, I say that. And then I think, well, sure. You know, guys get fired all the time. The athletic reports that he's here to stay and has the full backing of the organization <clears throat> within a couple of days, the Boston sports journal says, He's unhappy and he could try to get out. Diametrically opposed reports within a matter of days. Let's consider who's served by both of these reports and where they're coming from. The Athletic, a national um, outlet that's just reporting on, on league matters. Boston Sports Journal, obviously tailored to Patriots fans, so coming from a Patriots point of view. Um, the stay report 
obviously serves Amy Adams Strunk and the Titans. I think it's aimed to settle down conversations about his job security and the New England trade talk. That That's obvious. The Go report serves the Patriots, who clearly want to keep alive the possibility of trading for him. And, and the most likely scenario for them is not that they're going to give up the second or the third pick in the draft for Mike Vrabel, but that they would trade Belichick to Washington or the Chargers or to one of these up to 10 teams that are going to be looking for a new head coach and then take that compensation and offer it to the Titans in exchange for Mike Vrabel. Again, I'll say if Robert Kraft, a Hall of Fame caliber owner who's going to get in sooner rather than later, I sit on the coach contributor committee for the Hall of Fame. I know the vibe about him. Um, If if Robert Kraft, that level of owner, wants your head coach, that should probably signal you that you have a head coach that you should keep. Too many people are acting as if uh, Vrabel will just be making a choice when this season's over, when he's got a contract that runs through 2026, I believe, that could be 2025. I mean, when you've got a contract to coach an NFL team, you can't just quit. You certainly can't just quit and go coach somewhere else. Uh, it, it's, it's not college football. It doesn't work like that. I suppose if he really didn't want to be here, he could wrestle his way out of it with his discontent. Um, but that doesn't seem like a Mike Vrabel move to me. Now, at the root of the Boston stuff is his dissatisfaction with his working relationship and, and with Rand Carthon's presence as the general manager. I don't think the Vrabel-Carthon relationship is the same as the Vrabel-John Robinson relationship was, but I also don't think it has to be. And, and Vrabel and Robinson, Vrabel didn't love Robinson by any means when he was doing things like handing him Vic Beasley um, or trading away Julio Jones. Obviously, those, those were big issues. But Vrabel doesn't drop Carthon's name into roster news stuff and pressers the way he did Robinson's. He doesn't say, you know, I'll visit with Ran on that or Ran and I'll discuss that the way he always mentioned John. And while I'm sure Vrabel and Carthon have uh, plenty of meetings, there were a lot of forward-facing conversations we saw before and after practices that don't happen uh, in the new construct. Uh, recently, uh, in, in the last month, I saw the two of them uh, – you know, within like eight yards of each other having an exchange during the open period of practice. And I tried to get my camera up to get a picture of it. And by the time I was ready, they were moving opposite directions and, uh, and they were out of the frame. I couldn't get a shot of, of them together. Now, p- part of that's not a bad thing. Like I thought Robinson was overly involved in practice and I think Vrabel's probably relieved that Carthon is a GM who doesn't have a whistle around his neck and isn't involving himself in drills. But from what we see, and we don't get to see a lot, they are not as 
interactive as as uh, Vrabel and Robinson were during during those times. Interpret that as you will. Does that mean much, or does it just mean a change of venue? I, I don't know. I'm an Occam's razor guy. The simplest explanation or solution is usually the correct one. Again, Vrabel's had success with a better roster, not a great roster, a better roster. And uh, I think he's going to be here with a better roster. But I do think that there, you know, is some stuff behind some of what's being said. I do think uh, Amy Armstrong would be smart to want Mike Vrabel to continue here. I think stability for Will Levis is ideal. And uh, I think that the organization will be smart enough to provide Will Levis with that. And that the organization knows that the roster needs major additions. And with $100 million in salary cap money and a draft, uh, that, that a lot of those additions can be made. And that offensive line has to be um, at the head of the line. They've got to attack the offensive line with high quality, high caliber people that can't continue to find Dennis Daly's and Andre Dillard's and hope that they can create something out of nothing. Zen Sports is the primary sponsor of, of this Paul Kuharski podcast. They've got a giant tailgate at the bridge building ahead of Titans Colts on Sunday, starting at 9 a.m. If you think you have what it takes to join the Zen Sports VIP program, you get two tickets to the VIP tailgate, two tickets to the Titans Colts game, 10% deposit bonus on your first deposit into Zen Sports, and a standard $1,000 no danger first wager promotion. But don't worry if you're not uh, quite at that VIP level. Zen Sports didn't forget about everyone else. If you join Zen Sports before the game using code TNPAUL, you'll not only receive your $1,000 no danger wager, but you'll also get $25 no danger wager on any bet, any bet made on Titans Colts, excluding parlays. And if you're not already a member of paulkuharski.com, you get a free year's membership to this fine site. Learn more about Zen Sports at zensports.com. Download their app, Zen Sports, and get in on the fun. Uh, gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. You must be 21 or older in Tennessee to bet. Big going on there, the bridge building, bash, free drinks, free food. A great time before a Titans home game will be something else. Check it out. I um, <clears throat> have access to some numbers now. I want to talk to you about where the Titans offense is taking place on the field. I was looking at some splits, some compartmental, some compartmentalization of the Titans offense, something I now have more access to um, with True Media, a stats service that I have access to now. You can play around with filters and look for stuff that pops out. And maybe I'll make this section a regular see, uh, regular feature. It shouldn't be surprising, but it's striking 
just how much of the yardage the Titans gain on offense occurs down in their own end of the field. Every team's going to have a high percentage of offense in this range, right, from its own 21-yard line to its 40, because drives start down there, right? You're, you get a kickoff, and and you're, you're starting somewhere 20, 25-ish. But the Titans numbers, the percentage of their offense that happens down in that starting area is ridiculously high. 49% of their total yards have been gained between their own 21-yard line and their own 40. And 56% of their total uh, of their total rushing yards have been gained between their own 21 and their own 40. How big is that? Well, I went and looked at the NFL's number one offense, Miami, for comparison. The Titans are 11% higher in total yards in that area than Miami, and they're 18% higher in rushing yards in that area than Miami. The Dolphins, who gain 147 more yards per game than the Titans, are obviously moving the ball down the field. And the Titans are stuck, and they do a little bit when they initially get the ball, and then they can't extend drives, and they don't don't get it out of there. And so they're punting, and they get the ball back eventually in that area, and they fiddle around down there, maybe get one first down, and they're done again. Think about that. We know the Titans can't get drives going. But would you ever have imagined those high percentages of their total yardage and total rushing yardage unfolding in that 19-yard section of the field? That's just wild to me that it's that much. And it just really serves to illustrate how stuck they are on offense. Jasper's is also a sponsor of this podcast, a fine restaurant and bar on West End Avenue between downtown and Midtown. Listen, you pull in there and you park for free, right? Get a table or seat at the bar, get a drink, order your food. You head over if you like. You can play some Papa Shot for free, some air hockey, some skee-ball, all complimentary, as is the parking. So you're not paying anything before you start to have a drink and order some food, the bolognese, the Cuban sandwich, whatever you like, all delicious you can have a business meeting, business lunch. You can uh, bring a date, bring your husband or wife and have a nice dinner. You can bring the family and you play these games and the kids are having a big time. They probably love the place. Say it's their favorite place. I can't imagine how they could like any place any better than this place. Uh, great food, great drinks, great service, great time, great location, great parking situation. Can't recommend it highly enough. Head to Jasper's on West End. I appreciate their sponsorship. Macaroni and cheese. I'm not positive if they have macaroni and cheese on their menu. Mike Vrabel had it on the Titans menu per se heading into the Carolina game. Most coaches are going to mix in inventive stuff throughout the week to keep things interesting, to get guys' attention, and to change things up. So last week... 
he had a TikTok video, short video, with a woman complaining about a family member or a friend who bleeped up the mac and cheese recipe for Thanksgiving. Macaroni and damn cheese. Cause you decided to do some bullshit you didn't see off the damn internet. Don't experiment on damn Thanksgiving. Don't experiment on Thanksgiving. Mom, you experiment by your damn self. Hell, don't try it with us. We don't want that shit. Until Cameron gave you the damn recipe. But you chose to do shit on your own. Messed our shit up. Did she want people to experiment? On Thanksgiving, I was a little unclear. This is a great, I mean, Rebel hit a home run with this. It's concise. It conveys a message, a sticky message that that played exactly to a theme that he wanted to convey was for guys to keep it simple and stick to literally the recipe. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't experiment and do other stuff. And then when the Titans do exactly that against Carolina and it works, you know, it's a big hit. So guys were talking about that video in the, in the locker room. Um, and I asked Vrabel about, um, you know, how he finds stuff like that. I don't think he's like you and I sitting on the couch for a couple hours every night, screwing around on his phone, um, looking at Facebook reels because his job, um, uh, calls for longer hours. Um, and so I asked him about finding stuff like that and about uh, how often it's effective like this mac and cheese video was. Do you find something like that with little spare time you have in your clips that might be useful? We find them different places. I thought it was funny. thought it applied to where we were. Uh, thought it applied to Thanksgiving. Kind of fit good on a Friday tape. It's a good way to start. Different ways to deliver the message, and there's a lot of truth in some of that. There's a lot of truth in in, in humor, and certainly we, I don't even know her name. We're just calling her Aunt Betty for whatever you know it's worth. But you know, don't do your own crap. Are you surprised sometimes if what's sticky with the guys is it? Well, we're always trying to engage. We're always trying to make sure that everybody's engaged. Um, we're trying to, um, you know, stimulate learning, stimulate understanding of concepts. You know, that's most important. And again, if you can have some fun along the way, like this is, spent a lot of time together. So you want to try to make it as enjoyable as possible, uh, not make it giggly and not make it goofy. Hold people accountable. Make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. But then. You know, trying to have a, as good of a time as, as you possibly can. Have you ever had one you thought was good? That oh, I've got a lot of clunkers, before. trust me, I'm sure, yeah. When I have to say that's a joke, you can laugh. That's usually a clunker. I've got a lot of clunkers. have to tell guys you can laugh. I asked uh, a couple guys in the locker room about the clunkers. Aziz Alshair was smiling when he said it's hit or miss and the hit rate is low. Nobody really says anything. But when they hit, they really hit. Amani Hooker said uh, there aren't that many duds, but things may not be as funny to guys. But the message is the message, and it gets through. Jeffrey Simmons said half the time I don't laugh. This is sort of little peek into you know how they operate that I think really tells us something that seems to usually be held top secret, right? 
I love learning about how this stuff unfolds and how they operate and what Mike Vrabel might throw up on the screen for them. I wish somebody had a dud top of mind that would have told us about one of the clunkers. Um, and, and then we'd see both sides of it, the effective mac and cheese message and the failed something else where guys groaned instead of laughed. Um, but remarkably, nobody sells out the coach on, on the clunker. Though at least of Rabel's credit, he admits that uh, that he's got plenty of, of clunkers. So um, any little snippet you can get out of this airtight team with something that goes on in a, in a film session, I think it's great. Uh, I was glad guys shared that after the game and then were willing to talk about kind of how that stuff unfolds uh, during a week uh, this week. Titans talked to some degree. Uh, Arden Key said, you know, we owe the Colts. Uh, look, in a lot of ways, and we've been talking in the press room about this, the Colts game is really where the Titans – got exposed as being a bad football team the 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 saints were good defense the titans you know don't always start particularly well and that was an ugly game cleveland uh you know who was the second game was that uh san diego or uh, los angeles um and then cleveland you know was just like a butt whooping but the colts game was where you kind of looked around and thought, um, this is not um, really a very good football team. You know, second string running back, um, took them out in Zach Moss. They knocked out Anthony Richardson, uh, who suffered that unfortunate shoulder injury that cost him his season. And then Gardner Minshew in a long-running storyline for the Titans, uh, second-string quarterback, beat them. Um, offense is ineffective. All of the things that have come to be the storylines with the Titans against uh, a team that they should have been able to stand toe-to-toe with came to fruition in that game. So uh, we owe them, I don't know. Look, Jonathan Taylor's out, and most people would say that's a great thing, except Zach Moss exposed the Titans last time around, and he's probably chomping at the bit. Culture 6-5, and five, they've established over time, plus with the win against the Titans, that they're a better football team. Um, and the Titans haven't shown that they can win two in a row, but uh, two in a row at home is, is a rare thing for them. So a lot at stake here. I know there's a huge, uh, I shouldn't say a huge, but the, there was an article um, at Stacking the Box about how, you know, everybody's got to come to terms. Nothing good comes out of winning. They need the draft pick. High draft picks are not guaranteed to be better. And there's a lot that comes out of winning. For Will Levis and the young core of this football team, losing is is not a good thing. They're not out there thinking about what they could get out of a high draft pick. They need to experience wins and division wins and the things that come with that. And that's all those guys are thinking about. And that's much healthier for this football team that has games left now that do mean something to this franchise and to this organization and to guys who want to be better football players and who want to prolong their careers and put good things on tape and all of that. 
I'm going to come down on the side of that all the time. Draft takes care of itself down the line. But none of these guys are thinking about draft picks, nor should they be. They need to win. They need to win to build something, to prove something to themselves, and to, to understand what that feels like so that they can carry it in uh, to the future. So thanks for being here. Please hit subscribe, like, review. Uh, all of those things really help me out. I appreciate you. Uh, please check out Zen Sports for the VIP experience this week for the no regret bet. And uh, check out Jasper's. And until I see you again, don't block the box, but be sure to lock your locks. Take care.